Welcome to the Portable Pulpit. Let's go. Hey, family. Welcome to the Portable Pulpit. I'm Colby Corso. I'm here with the Bearded Guitars, Clifford Cox, Dave Lazari. That's a great band name. It really is. Should go for that. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about the coronavirus as though it's not been talked about enough. Cliff, give us some info about what are we talking about. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about a virus that started in the Wuhan province, Wuhan. China. Um, what if it would have been in the Wu-Tang province? You know, I don't really know what we would call it. <laughs> Probably you know? just different phases of the, the whole virus would be just Wu-Tang albums. Yeah. Um, it started in like a live animal market, but now it's spreading between humans. Um, At the Home Depot in Durango. Yeah, it's important to note that today is March 29th of 2020, the day that took Joe Diffie from us. Horrible. Bro, 2020 just coming in strong. Kobe when did Bryant? we lose Joe Diffie? Today. 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 Pick yeah, up, man. man. It's not like an anniversary. It happened today. Yeah. yeah. Kenny Rogers deucing out in 2020 is the ultimate gambler. No one went to hold him. No one went to fold him. No one to fold him. You got to get out. Uh, coronavirus has reached, as of today... Um, over seven hundred thousand cases globally. We don't um, got enough kids. They got there's way more than that. Got to be. What, there has to be way more than that. Well, um, that's just the number that have been tested, right? Like you can't pay for a test here in Durango. Yeah, so. and there's some news that you know this could be rumors, but there's some news that they've developed new tests that can tell within five minutes if you have it. I've heard that too. And then, yeah, then you get into if you show the symptoms is when you're going to go get tested. You know, so there's probably several people that have had it already and survived it or maybe even lost them to it and just not have known where, that. Where do you guys find this good news at? The only news I ever find is, is like, you're going to have to get a chip in your forehead and your wrist in order to get an antibiotic for it. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of news that's on my feed right now. Well, the biggest deal, and this is a great point, you know, like, Watch where you're getting information about this. You know, I would go uh, straight to the cdc.gov site. Um, they also created a federal site um, that's coronavirus.gov. Um, and so you're going to get a lot of great info on there. Um, don't just watch MSNBC or Fox because um, obviously then we'll get into this. Like, there's a lot of sort of politicizing this. Um, Bro, as as a descendant of Native Americans, it's a little hard to trust the government. I don't trust diseases. the government. I don't trust the government. <laughs> when it comes to smallpox, coronavirus, I'm a little. I'm just going to be a little slow in the uptake. Right, and you can get the guy, the doctor that's up there with Trump. That's you know basically like a, the the world's leading expert in the infectious diseases and viruses. And it's like anytime that he's shaking his head or kind of biting his bottom lip, like. You know, these are these are good sort of indicators for me to like. Where do I need to get this information from? I saw that. Oh, go ahead. I I saw that guy's name, and every time I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because it sounds like the f word. Like I'm definitely <laughs> going to hack it. It's like like an Italian word. <laughs> go go for it, Dave. Yeah, it, it <laughs> reminds, roll that it baby off. Uh, shells I use when I'm hunting pheasants, like Fiacci. <laughs> but you're going to get on the on the .govs, not even necessarily like updates. Um, as much as you want to go and see, like, how do I protect myself from this? Like, what are some good, you know, examples and, and things? Like, if I think I'm sick, what should I do? Um, you know, who should I call? Should I run straight to the hospital? Probably not, right? You want to um, follow the protocol there. And then just kind of basic 
which is really funny about this is that all these things come out on like videos on how to wash your hands. It's kind of like, were we not doing that before or what? Like, why are we, are we really teaching this right now? I feel like I had 10 years of grody handshakes that I should have probably thought about. These these people surprised by how important washing your hands is. Right. And it, and the other side of this too, is it's like, I, you know, I kind of fall in the category that like, we should take this serious. It's new, right? There's not a vaccine that's been developed for it. So it is a very serious thing, and it is claiming lives. Like, Spain had one of its worst days ever. Um, Italy, my goodness gracious, like, uh, that, it is tearing Italy down, you know? And so this is a real thing, um, and it is it is killing off people, um, and we have no cure for it. So those things are really good when it comes to, like, the social distancing and what is the government telling us, like, stay home and, you know, don't gather in large groups, like, um, you know, wash your hands, you know, wipe Listen, down surfaces. I, I feel like for a lot of people, just the idea of, like, you need to wash your hands is way overdue for us to have a public. You know, everybody want to have their social justice issue, but maybe the most, you know, like, o- overlooked issue is, you know, we need to put washing hands back in kindergartens. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we've said here at the church, like one of the deals is we put out to our church is like, do what your grandma would tell you to do. Like wash your hands. And if you're sick, don't go out and spread it. You know what I mean? And I, you know, regardless of what the government says, I mean, that's just a good practice for health. And and I think that's where maybe we'll go into this first kind of segment of this is, is there's a health side of this. There's like, um, you know, for instance, like when it hit China, one of the big things, like everybody in China, I've been there multiple times. I've actually been to some of these markets where they've had dogs and skewers and all this other stuff. Is that one thing about when it went through them, a lot of Chinese people smoke. And if you're a smoker, it's like exponentially worse on you because it's a long respiratory thing. Same with Italy. Yeah, yeah. So in an older population, you know, lots of smokers. When it came here, it was talking about, okay, especially if you got pre-existing conditions like heart disease, lung things. It's like, but here's another one, obesity. And so now they're starting to realize like if you're significantly overweight and you're not healthy, this virus could get at you in ways, even if you're younger, um, at ways that we didn't expect at first. And that's where like, like just overall, I think worshiping God with our bodies in right. such a way that we take care of ourselves. Now, some of the stuff like we can't handle, like diabetes, and there's certain like uh, genetic disorders and things that people have, you know, that are outside your control. But for whatever is within your control, I think there's a good conversation to say, you know, God has given you your body, and at all times, not just global pandemic time, like you should be a good steward of that. And and so there's the health side, and and I think there's the hygiene side, and um, and all the stuff that comes with it. The crazy thing for me as you know, I've got a wife who's a nurse and she kind of talks me through these things ad nauseum and is that the symptoms are not the same. It would be different if like every single person who got this virus, their face turned green. But the deal is, is some people are asymptomatic or like minimal symptoms. So they just kind of feel a little yucky a couple days and like, that's it. You could have it for 14 days, be perfectly normal, get you know, have it full on for another 14 days and feel like really close to normal. A lot of people can't and be transmitting it the whole time. Especially like I read one recently, which is really funny because shout out to all the moms who make us take off our shoes before we enter into the house because 
people are saying that like the Corona can actually live, you know, past that 14 day mark on shoes. And so it's like, if you're walking through any type of facility or house or anything like that, and you could be spreading this without even knowing that you're spreading it. And that's, you know, we talked about like the age difference and things like that. Obviously as your age increases, like more susceptible uh, to, you know, the harsher symptoms of it. But that's, that's why we need to like, you know, really think um, before you kind of jump out there, especially if you're young. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out in the news, like kids that went to do spring break or whatever, you know, in, uh, in Cancun on the beach. And it's like, you know, thousands of them. And, but then uh, they showed a hot map of like cell phone towers of like where all of those kids traveled you know, once spring break was over and it's all over the globe. And so it's like, you know, you could be spreading this to the more vulnerable populations and you're sitting there thinking like, well, I'm younger, I'm healthier. So I'm not going to have to, you know, you know, die from it, which is false too, because there are people, you know, with different sort of immune systems and bodies. And it's like younger people are dying from this as well, yeah. you know? So you just got to be thoughtful and considerate and, do you know follow the recommendations yeah just do what's right i don't know like i think the other side of that uh with some people that are in our community is um they just don't ever trust the government it's like (laughs) it's like resist all government mandates yeah and i think so while the health side is like one side of that i think the government and that kind of is our second part here is like the other part is like how the government fits in with this health thing and some people are like resist every government mandate and don't ever, like the government ain't got any rights to to limit our assembly neither at a church or anywhere else and i think there's concern where some people are saying the economic impact of how the government has responded right is going to be nearly as bad maybe worse than the actual disease itself when people start you know going you know we know that when the stock market hurts when people become jobless and things like that happen, depression, suicide rates, starvation. Pe- people that are yeah. in AA can't go to meetings. Uh, there's a there's a, you know people being checked on. I know at our church we're trying to network together to make sure everybody's checked on, everybody's taken care of. We're kind of moving resources around so we can stay flexible and help people because the financial side. So there's like this economic political side where you know people are trying to figure out like is are we fighting a war on two fronts now because we're fighting the economy and the economic part of it. And then we're also fighting the health side. Yeah. And we just read and and we kind of chuckled at first, but it's like a Florida mega church, you know, just completely disregarded the don't have large gatherings mandates. And Hey, we're here to worship Jesus and we're not going to listen to the government. And so there's a lot of different angles to it. And I guess, yeah. I think for me, I like I come to the thing about like honor Caesar, like mm-hmm. and honor the government. He carries the sword for reason. I don't think that there's anything, you know, like detrimental in a temporary um, meeting. We're we're doing online church uh, at our church. We're doing podcasts like this. We're doing some different things to connect. We know some people are still meeting as house churches in small groups. I, I mean, we're kind of as a church, kind of built for this storm in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think for temporarily, that's okay. The The thing for me um, is not that I have a big problem with kind of respecting the guidelines and stuff. I think that those are wise. I, 
as uneducated and, you know, I don't got a PhD in statistics and I don't have one in research biology or those things. But as far as what I am seeing, um, it makes sense to me to the curve and it makes sense to me about some of the things we're doing in the short term. The thing I don't like about it from the government side is as a historian and someone that is very deep in history is that a lot of times situations like this, um, people in power seize more power and they take occasion. I mean, look at the bill that came through the relief bill and how they were trying to slide in a whole bunch of stuff that had nothing to do with the virus. You think that five years from now that people are, st- it's it's going to be a nine 11 event where they're going to be like, Hey, we can take freedoms away in order to do this. When leaders get power um, or they're able to take power from people, they are not good at giving it back. Right. That's the part where I think the church just kind of needs to keep kind of cautious eye um, at the corrupting power of power. And we need to remain prophetic if, you know, if our government or leaders step out of line, that we need to remain prophetic and say, hey, they're they're exceeding God's boundaries for them as a government leader. I'm not saying that we're at that place now. I'm just saying don't be surprised if there's precedent set during this that could lead to the erosion of freedom and the erosion of rights. And so, um, I and again, I'm I'm probably more than anyone else. Um, I'm not. I don't have hold any allegiance to any parties. I, I politics kind of makes me sick. Um, I'm I have a king and a kingdom, and I serve that king. I'm all about that. Uh, but at the same time, I am a citizen and I have responsibilities. And I think that the as far as the politics side, it, it's for me more of the long term. Does that make sense? Than it is anything. I think everything they're recommending short term. Um, they're trying to be prudent and they're trying to save as many lives as they can. And, and I think one interesting thing is that they're doing that at expense to money. And I don't think that happens very often. And I think some of our leaders deserve credit even at, at times saying, Hey, even if there's an economic fallout and there's going to be less money, if that means the good of our people, um, that's a positive thing, but there's a balance to walk there because, at what point is a huge portion of the of our population unemployed, restless? Um, the disease is going to get here anyways. You, you know, like some of those conversations that are out there, um, I understand them as well. So I, I that's why I say the 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 economic and the government side is a bit tricky. And I'm not saying that they have an easy job because they don't. Right. Um, and I'm not I'm not that place. I think at the same time I can't kind of keep my eye on the horizon. And say long term. We need to make sure that we don't use this as an excuse for a whole lot of other stuff that's got nothing to do with it. That kind of bleeds into to like the spiritual matter behind this. And it's like, is this where the church is going to flourish, you know, or should? Is God calling us to be like, you know, hey, a lot of people are afraid of this thing. They're afraid of death. Um, and, you know, is that where we come in with the gospel, you know, and not having a fear of death? Because at the end of the day, too, it's like, I think a little over 2,000 deaths in the United States from this. I mean, my goodness, like driving down the highway, probably more deaths, you know. Um, and so it, it's easy for somebody to kind of be in a quarantine situation and be afraid of this thing, afraid of death, and we need to be there. Yeah. In a big way, you know, and especially to the vulnerable populations that are quarantining, like, hey, can I get you anything? Yeah, you know, I've offered a few older people in our church. If you need someone to go to Walmart and knife fight somebody for you to have toilet paper, <laughs> we're just the church for you. You know what I mean? 
we're here. We got you. Yeah, I, I think on the spiritual side, I think one of one of the things, you know, I've thrown out there is do you know definitively that this is not exactly what we need in order to have revival mm-hmm. and awakening and a turning back to God? Because four or five months ago, if you asked your neighbor about eternal things, life or death things, heaven or hell things, you know, they probably would have blown you off, whatever, and went back to watching basketball. But where they're at now is there's a lot of people that are relating to two realities. One, they don't have as much control over their life that they thought they had. Their job, their health, a million other things. They don't have the kind of control and sovereignty they thought. And so that makes you reevaluate. Two is that I think people are coming to grips and dealing with the fact that they're going to die. Yeah. And see, we're Christians. We already understand. We've all been dealt a death sentence. And for us, we look forward to what awaits us after the grave. We have a, we have a hope. The stinger of death has been removed. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of Christians that are walking into this with a fearlessness and a perspective that their neighbors, especially here where we're around so many pagan people, godless people, who are scared to death right now. And I think that's where Jesus is, has an opportunity to really shine in the life of the believer where their hope is bigger than any virus that their God is bigger than any economy or any boom or any bust. And so I, I think that there's going to be a ton of spiritual conversations come out of this, and I know they're already coming out. And you know we're seeing some people respond to the gospel. Um, I know that in limited interaction from even social distancing with some of my neighbors, there's been some things open up that have not opened up before. And so I that, like even uh, this Sunday when we were going through the sermon, one of my issues is is not being a prepper that fears for the worst, because fear is the motivation for the doomsday prepper, but faith is the motivation of somebody that just prepares. Right. And the idea is, is that we need to prepare to walk through some open doors that God is kicking smooth open in our friends and our family. There's going to be some conversations we might not have been able to have, and we can turn it into Trump and Biden. We can turn it into you know, China, and we can, we can turn it into all kinds of things, but I think at some point we're going to have to bring this thing back to Jesus and say, man, like, is your life right with Jesus? You know what I mean? Do you know him? Do you have a hope that a virus can't take? Um, and there's a spiritual reality to that. And even even with be- between believers. Yeah. You know, I was talking with my great aunt um, who lives in Oklahoma, and she was just like, Clifford, like, this slowed us down. You know, and we got to we got to reach out to family members that we have kind of like been procrastinating getting back in touch with them. You know, checking in with friends and FaceTiming people. You know, like uh, we have missionary friends that are overseas, and oh, wow, it's just like you know, chat with them, call them, check on them. Um, you know, and consume. Uh, I think with all eagerness, you know, the spiritual side of this battle. Uh, and people who speak into your life, pastors, friends, like people that have discipled you, like call them, ask them questions, read articles, because uh, you know it's like you you preached, and this is kind of a a, a funny thing for us because uh, Colby came in and preached Romans eight um, fourteen through twenty five is like a you can find this on our website. It's a sermon, uh, basically as a response to the COVID nineteen stuff. Um, and so if you go to fbcbayfield.com, look in the teachings area under the standalone sermons, 
uh, you're going to find that. And so everybody, though, after uh, you got done preaching, like stood up and like applauded. And it was very, it was very like kind of weird because like I, that's never happened. I expect applause every time. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, but that's just like, we, we have this angst in us and it was just such a relief that day, you know, to hear like, um, there goes the Apple watch. Who did that? <laughs> Dang it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was the relief from the angst. Like everybody's, you know, kind of waiting for that sermon. You know, waiting to grab a hold of the, you know, the truths that we glean from God's word. Maybe, you know, this is the right moment to hear that. And that's why people were just like super pumped. I think so too. I think there was a response um, that was unique there because I think that they were, we're built for hard times as a church. Right. We're built to suffer. We, We were, our brothers and sisters go through much worse. One thing that this hit me, like just to be confessional, is that I've had to wrestle with the idea of I'm not afraid of this because I'm young and healthy and obviously strong and good looking, right? Like you could, I mean, I mean that's vain. But listen to what we tell ourselves: I'm I'm too young to get this and die from it. Yeah. And my confidence can be in my age, right? Um, if you're a woman out there, I think you're less likely to die from it than a man. Is that right? It's like I haven't seen that, dude. This, so. this virus is so discriminatory. <laughs> Babylon be killing it though. They put out <laughs> the coronavirus is disproportionately affecting the genders of male and female than all other genders. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like, I I could come to my own health and say because I don't got any pre existing conditions, I'm not 80 years old, blah blah blah, and I'm trusting in that, or am I trusting in my life and death is in the hands of Christ and I'm going to walk faithfully, right? I can come to this and, and say, oh, I'm trusting in not the economy to get better or stocks or the security of my job or the security of my wife's job, but like I could, I could come in and say, I, I feel secure and safe and I'm taken care of because the government going to write me a stimulus check, right? <laughs> and um, I love the joke of like, uh, it's like Ron Swanson saying, like, the government gives me, like, $1,200. And it's like, oh, I, I think you you heard me wrong. I didn't say give me $1,200 back. I said give me all my money back. Right. Yeah. Which is it's funny because, like, for me, when I think about, like, them writing this $2 trillion check, it's it's the idea of you you had $2 trillion laying around <laughs> that you didn't need. Like, why are you taxing us at all? Well, what's scary <laughs> is that we don't have the $2 trillion. <laughs> That's we're getting, the thing. It's like, we're getting in more debt as either, a country. Either A, we don't have it, or B... Why were you taxing us for money that you didn't need? Like that's yeah. the other, like so hilarious kind of economic. But say we could trust in that check coming in, and we say I trust my job, my check, my age, whatever, and and money. Or do I trust that Christ takes care of me? And confessionally, even be, even if you're healthy, you're going to be tempted to trust things other than Christ. And so for me, I've been trying to lean in and say, Jesus, you know, as the hymn says, like if peace like a river flows and it tends my way or or like there's hard things that come to me it's like i'm gonna lean into you and so i think there's one thing for this means for unbelievers that are going to get saved as a result of this i think there's another thing for christians that have to learn to abide in christ and to not trust themselves not trust their money their resources and things but but to trust christ and um i know that's where i'm at like just waking up in the day and um in doing that. I was just going to say, like, I, I think we're, uh, there's a fine line here that needs to be mentioned. 
Um, yes, I fully agree. Trust in Christ for all things in your life. But um, I fear that there's people out there that are saying, God is going to protect me from the coronavirus no matter what I do. Now, if you walk to the grocery store and lick every doorknob you see oh, man. and just say, that's I, a can't, movement. I can't get it because God's going to protect me, that's not factual. Right. God, God's goal here is to keep us safe and healthy, but we also have to utilize the, the tools and the skills that we've been given. We need to practice good hygiene and, and do the right things and trust in God. Yeah, don't put your Lord to the test. Right. You know, like... Don't test Him. And, and I think this, this scenario we're living in, this, this time, um, it's breeding a culture of fear in people mm-hmm. um, unnaturally. Things, people are now afraid of dying in a way that they maybe never were before. And that it is an opportunity for God. And for me, kind of how I've been combating this fear, uh, aside from just my everyday faith in Christ is, is uh, looking at this particular email I got, which showcases a lot of the verses in the Bible where God commands us not to fear. Mm. And, and I've been uh, sharing them on social media and not with any sort of agenda, not like, Hey, you all need to read this just without any explanation, putting it out there on social media and letting people read it. And like the same eight or 10 people click like on it every day. I've been doing that one every day. Um, just because I think people need to be reminded what the word of God says about fear and how he's going to protect us and take care of us and how he wishes good for us and, um, commands evil to flee from us when we pursue him. But, Again, at the same time that we shouldn't fear, we should do the right thing. Use the tools he gave us. Yeah, don't. I don't want to tempt God to have to teach me to stop being dumb. Right. Mm. That's where I'm at. Like, I don't want to have to tempt God. Be like, listen, for your long term good, I'm going to have to let you. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to teach you the hard way here to just, you know, don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't yes, lick those doorknobs. Don't lick, dude. Have <laughs> you seen this viral thing where these people are licking toilets? Yeah. That's a, like a real thing. Yeah. If you thought Tide Pods was like too much, there's a coronavirus going around. People out licking toilets at Walmart. Yeah, he got a, he. They got like that dude arrested for licking the toilet at Walmart. And now he's got coronavirus. No way. Well, I don't know if it's him, but I did see a, a video. There was yeah, I saw something uh, you know within social media that was talking about a kid that dude. I can't. It's kind of what they call you know air quotes around this, but a social influencer. And, you know, he took this sort of dare challenge to lick the toilet, and then he caught it. Yeah. He's like, well, uh, you know, somebody could have called that. Um, I love that what you're saying, though, about, you know, people uh, need something to do in this time. You know, it's encouraging to me. I mean, I have uh, family even that are really upset about, you know, Christians that are, I mean, we kind of almost broke down Facebook. You know, a couple of weeks ago, because everybody's a televangelist now. Yeah, streaming that junk. You're on live stream, and it's just like you know, bogged down, literally bogged down the internet, which is encouraging to me because it's like I, I always, you know, read these you know clickbait articles sometimes, you know, that are like ten reasons why the church is in decline or something. And it's like, oh, really? Well, how about one reason that we almost broke the internet when we we're trying to preach the gospel to the internet? Don't make us wreck it, Ralph. It we'll right, it exactly. And so that's this is a good segue, but you know, what do we do with the quarantine? You know, do we just you know sit back, you know, or is this a time to pour into family? Is it a time to 
you know, dig into God's word? Like what are, what was your list that you've come up with? Yeah. So I, I could kind of talk about the Corsos and, and here's the thing. I think sit back is the opposite. Shrink back is the opposite. Mm-hmm. We've been talking to our church. We think this is a time for the church to gain ground, to advance, Amen. not to back down. And Christians, we just don't do good sitting back. Like that's just not our MO. We do good pressing forward, keeping our eyes on the goal, one foot, one step at a time, keep walking by faith. You know, even if it's a crawl, and um, and I th- I say this too. It's like, just like in our own homes, like when we're in lockdown or we're in quarantine, fear fear and boredom can spread. You know what I mean? It's like a, it can get staunchy. Like fear can spread. It's contagious. One of the things that we have a lot of people in the church is like they're not even reacting to their own ideas, or it's the idea for the essential people. You know, that still have to go to work. <laughs> All those non-essential people breathing the essential man's air. Right. All those essential people who still gotta go to work, they're like, it's really the conversations that people are having that's that's hard for them to like get out of their own mind. Like the way it's framed by non-believers of like you're irresponsible if one person ever catches it because it's your fault or whatever. It's like, do you know how many times you've probably passed a disease that could have killed somebody in your lifetime? Like the flu. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the so like how they frame it, it gets into them. And so, like, fear is contagious. And I think the same thing is true of faith. Faith is contagious. That's why we share our faith, because it's, it's shareable. Um, it goes viral in the best possible way. And, and so in our home, like, you know, there was, like a, there was a period of, like, when we hit the first part of the lockdown quarantine, um, it just screwed up our schedule. And we—so here's the thing that happens with us— um, well, one, my job got harder because we were working a lot of online stuff, and I actually had more work to do. My wife's a nurse, so she actually got more shifts. So we were among those essential people that were like, we got more work, not less. But the deal about it was is the gym shut down, as our kids' jujitsu shut down. Uh, we already did online school, so that wasn't a, even a huge adjustment. It's just the idea of like when we're eating where, when we meet where, our normal church rhythm, like our rhythm was messed up. And it's the same thing. It's like whenever I go on vacation or other things, it's really hard to maintain healthy eating when I go back to Oklahoma for like Thanksgiving because it's just not our house, our rhythm, our place. I don't work out the same. So when you screw up people's rhythm, what ends up happening is a lot of their disciplines are easily thrown out the door. And and I'm among that, like, I think I gained six pounds in the last six days. Mm. So it's like, like like two days ago or something, I sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to recreate my daily schedule and my daily objectives down to the fact, even if I can work from home in sweatpants, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to get dressed. And I get my kids dressed. We get up um, and we do our normal rhythm. I had to fight to get back into this is like we do discipleship in the morning. We do our catechism in the morning and we do our discipleship at night. And so... Um, both in the morning and night, we kind of squared in the day of saying, I'm going to disciple my kids in the morning. I'm going to disciple them at night. We're going to have times of prayer there. Um, I put in there that we're going to exercise. And so me and my kids, we get up. And even if we can't go to the gym, you know what I mean? We have some things that we just do at our house, burpees, different things like that. Um, Push-ups, setups, crunches, squats. You know, you got to move the body. We just can't sit in all day. Um, yeah. We've got some work that we're doing on uh, a property we just like bought and stuff. So we've, we're getting a lot of physical things going on there. The other thing too is like, I, I told a college student this a long time ago, who's now a youth minister. 
when they were a college student and they were really shady and from Texas and all this other stuff, um, <laughs> they were moving in and they asked me to help them move this TV and I went and moved TV and, I, and as I was their college minister and help them move in, I said, one thing that may be really valuable for you and I want you to commit this to me before I help you move this TV into your house or otherwise I ain't going to help you. I said, only watch this TV, NFL Sunday Ticket, UFC, video games, Netflix. They didn't have that back then. All this stuff. Only watch that one for one. One hour of television for one hour in the Word or in prayer. One hour of video games for one hour. I'm not even saying that you got to read the Bible two to one. I'm saying one to one. And they were like, ugh. Like, I remember it's like they literally yeah. made this thing like I kicked them in the groin. And I said, listen to me. You want to know what's going to make eternal impact on you? Is like, don't do this any more than you do this. And so, you know, for us, we we kind of had to get to a place at our home because we were watching so much because the kids were there. It was spring break, too. It's like we couldn't just go out and do everything we wanted to do. We ended up, like, watching too much TV. Uh, now, we had video games, too. At our house, some people know we have a rule about video games. We have mostly only competition-based games. And if you lose, say you have like NBA Jam, which we still have from from way downtown. <laughs> and and you know, they play they play the game for five minutes. Whoever loses has to do 20 burpees to the honor of the champion. And you can't play until you pay your debt. And so my kids did like 240 burpees before they were like, video games are dumb. Right, like I'm out because we're at seven thousand feet elevation. Two hundred forty burpees is like out of control. So for us, we just kind of built in. We've done that a long time ago, but like, but there's this thing about. I told my kids, it's like you can build something, um, do board games, um, use your Legos, um, go kind of outside our house, um, go read a book, but we're gonna disproportionately not just sit in front of a TV and waste our lives. And so I think making, as each dad kind of has to make a decision about, again, that television that we talked about in the sermon and things that we allow into our house, teachings we allow into our house, I mean, what would it mean for you to have a one-to-one prayer to TV ratio? What would it mean to have one-to-one time in the Word to time in the tube? Here, here's another thing, too. I, I find that, like, with our family, um, we get so busy, and busy becomes this, like, holy word that, like, Oh, I'm busy. It's like you're almost like a badge of honor that you're busy. Well, now so a lot of people are not as busy. Yeah. So why not like do the things for your wife that you know you should be doing, but you're often too busy to do? Like do something random. Like if you never do the dishes, do the dishes. This is why this line at Home Depot is so long. Yeah, it's a bunch you. of a bunch of guys trying to do things that they said, "Oh, I don't have time for that now, honey." Oh, girl, you got that honey do list. It's out. And uh, and I I think that's like this is. Random acts of kind of, how can you build your marriage instead of like just sitting around fighting with each other? And that's the thing is like some people don't realize that you maybe you're not investing enough in your marriage when you realize that the two of you together for long periods of time in the house is a problem, not a blessing. Mm. Not only that, but like parenthood, you know, I've even seen some statistics of like rising child abuse cases because now it's like they can't be at the public school. You know where you're, where you're kind of basically allowing the government to raise your kids for you. So now they're back in your house, and it's like, man, you can see the weeds uh, so clearly now, like in your own heart. 
Like, see how impatient you are with your kid? You can't even last, you know, four hours with your kid without getting all angry and huffing up and puffing up. And impatient. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of sin that's going to... One thing I realized about parenting myself is we we went to online schooling, and uh, that worked better with some things we're doing in France and just our lifestyle here in Colorado is to do online. Um, but the idea for us was is that there's a lot of atrophy in, in our parenting muscles mm-hmm. because for... 40 years, people have been being raised by government schools. You ship your kids off to the school. Vody Botman says it really well. He says, you can't, you know, ship your kids off to be raised by Caesar and then are surprised that they come back Romans. Yeah. And, and so there's some truth to what he talks about with that. For us, we wanted the right to disciple our own kids. We wanted that extra time and attention to them. And we felt like the education side, we could provide them more with the online. So we can do another pod about that another day. But the idea about it is we discovered there's a lot of God-given muscles um, that had a lot of atrophy that came to our discipleship of our kids, our parents and our kids, because our kids have been being raised in the French schools because we were in France before, and that's where they started school. And as long as the French teachers had to deal with their bad attitudes or stuff, and it wasn't us having to disciple them. And so I, I think that this is a time uh, of getting really honest about where your marriage is and if some things get exposed, maybe repent of those, mm-hmm. maybe build some things, maybe you and your girl praying together, maybe you and your girl um, studying the Word together, trying some things. All of us have started things with our wives that we picked up for a season and we failed. Mm. Pick them back up. Yeah. Try it again. Like, build some habits. For, who knows how long this is going to last? Why don't you start building a habit? I mean, like, I think it's valuable if you learn to play guitar while you're down or you learn to speak French or... um you know, there's a lot of other hobbies that, like, for me, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this intentionally instead of the television. Okay, all of that's good. But how much long-term benefit would it be if you build some sound, sound things into your marriage? Mm-hmm. How much long-term would it be if you you made your kids a priority instead of being like, set them in front of the TV and I hope they shut up, but to, like, take your kid out and be like, okay, this is how you change oil. This is how you change a car, tire. Um you know, like for me, we got this remodel project. Like I'm letting some of my kids paint, which is dangerous. I know. <laughs> but it's like, I'm so tired of painting. It's like, please, kids, come paint this. I got like a six-year-old or seven-year-old in there painting. But it's like a closet. Nobody even cares. Like, paint that closet, boy. <laughs> waste paint. But you know, like we're doing things together. And and I think that um, we've just got to repent of our busy. And God might have just put us in a global timeout to make us come back to reevaluate some of these priorities. Some of us don't realize that we work too much. Like we we don't. Until now we're here and we're realizing, you know, I haven't really built a relationship with my kids like I should be, build, be building it. Yeah. So I think that the quarantine, um, as far as like tips during this is, you know, obviously look at the things that matter, your marriage, your parenting. I think look at your own spiritual health and your walk with Jesus and, and you know, your addiction to media. I think this is a time to maybe reevaluate your your physical diet and how healthy of a person you are, kind of your normal rhythms. When now that your whole mess, you can't go to the gym, you know, and you can't do your normal things. How how does your health look? Um, and I think too, it's like you're going to have to rewrite what your normal schedule is because there's a new normal now. And I think that that can be one of the most helpful things. Is just I'm a I'm a write it down or it ain't real kind of guy. Um, and so I kind of write my day down, write my schedule down set goals for myself and then I get out there and get after it 
And I, I don't think there's anything good about walking around purposeless all day. Yeah. Faith is contagious. Let's get out there and share that thing. You know what I mean? And whether that's on social media, whether that's in groups less than 10, whether that's sharing the faith within your own family, you know, with those that you're quarantined with or locked down with. Again, as I said Sunday or uh, in the sermon for Sunday, is that um, this is a time to prepare. Jesus was quarantined for 40 days, 40 nights, and spent it in prayer with the Father, and he prepared for what God had for him. You know, Paul was quarantined and locked down. Most of his ministry was in prison, and that's where we get the majority of the New Testament. Noah, we could go on and on and on. There's these seasons of what seemed like limitation, but actually was a a season of preparation for the doors that God was going to kick down. It's a good word. It's going to be interesting, uh, you know, in the future to see what these new normals look like when people start saying that phrase. It's kind of interesting, like, oh, I wish everything would get back to normal, you know? And so it's like, that's on the preparation side of this, you know, like, hey, uh, prepare for that new normal. Build new healthy habits, you know, remind others uh, what Todd Wagner said this recently. He said, remind others um, that good health is only the slowest path to death and judgment, you know? And so it's like, the, that's coming, man. you know? And you got to have that hope within you that you have Christ and there's not going to be death or viruses or cancer or pain or sickness or tears, any of that. He's He's the hope that we have, so we got to, you know, share that. That's why I'm away from quarantine and up here doing this. Yeah. You know, share it. Yeah. When I think of, in, in this time, an idle mind, a depressed mind, a lonely mind is a sinful mind. Mm. Um, for In more ways than one, maybe it's just out of laziness as a sin, or maybe it's a slip back into that uh, pornography addiction that you had. Or, yeah. Yeah. or maybe it's, uh, um, you know, like you talked about abusing your children or something like that because you're not used to being around and whatever it is, like uh, actively um, doing what you believe is healthy instead of sitting and not doing anything. Well, uh, my wife is dinging in saying, you got to get your butt home, <laughs> get back to quarantining. And so but I'm going to go take my own tips. I'm going to go invest in my marriage and go do something for Amen. her. I got like 10 minutes before she got to go up to the hospital and go, <laughs> go catch the babies. Um, I want to pray um, as we finish this. I know there's a lot of reason and occasion for people to be afraid right now, but I want to pray um, over the people that are going to hear this and for us that we would uh, walk in faith and that we'd share that faith. Let's gather. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Lord, we enter your courts with thanksgiving and your presence with praise. God, we, we know we're sheltered under your wings and that you know the hairs on our head and how many days each of us are going to live. And so, Father, with how many minutes, hours, and days we have less left, Help us to maximally glorify you with our brief existence. God, help us to celebrate that the sting of death has been removed. God, help us to um, instruct and disciple our children. God, to cause our wives and our families to flourish. God, prepare our hearts. Bring us into a place of repentance, spiritual health during this season. And God, if we're given more time at home, if we're given a more time of reflection. Help us not just to burn it, um, sitting in front of entertainment, God, but help us to um, use it as a season of preparation for the good things that you've laid out for us. 
Father, would you make some of our homes sacred spaces? God, would you prepare a lot of people right now that are afraid? Um, would you would you work in their hearts that they might come to Christ and know you? God, we love you. We we acknowledge that you're bigger than this virus. You're bigger than the economy. And that you're working this along with all things for our good and for your glory. And so we believe that and we pray that in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. We'll catch you on the flip side. You've been listening to The Portable Pulpit. If you've been blessed, like it, share it, subscribe to it, and for goodness sake, send us some ideas.